Hello and welcome to Mini Business Adventures. We lift the lid on the UK's businesses because we believe that the best advice comes from the owners and entrepreneurs who have been there, done that and lived to tell the tale. I'm Gordon Rutherford from AXA Business Insurance and today I'm going to be talking to Claire Dales, Andrea Brown and Mike Stevenson about adult education. Claire re-qualified in architecture 20 years after her first degree, while Andrea became a journalist after the collapse of the family business. And Mike currently runs a creative design agency, Thinktastic, but is no stranger to changing career. Let me kick off with you, Mike. Tell me about the role that New Battle played in your life. Um, well, I'd, I'd uh, been chucked out of school at 15, um, found myself sleeping in the streets of London, and then I had a succession of jobs, including busking in Dublin. And I saw this opportunity to return to education for a kind of compressed, it was a one-year course, to do a couple of hires. And I applied and I got in. So this was a um, an 11th century monastery on the outskirts of Edinburgh, an extraordinary place, and it was supported by the, the, the trade unions. And I found myself with people from the ages of uh, 22 all the way through to 80. And it was people returning to education and, and it was just an amazing experience because A, I realised I wasn't dumb um, and the whole style of teaching was different. It was much more relaxed. You got a different kind of relationship. Um, the, the lecturers didn't give you the belt or the toss, which is what I had to endure at school. I almost smelt of leather essence, you know, through entire through my entire schooling. So uh, that was extraordinary. And it gave me just the, the, the belief that I had ability, you know, academic ability as well as creative ability. And uh, it, it really helped me go forward. And the kind of jobs I took after that were much more about working with people. So it gave me the confidence to believe that I could have responsibility and that people wouldn't look down on me. It was a huge, huge uh, step forward. And also I became the student spokesman. I mean, just I was the youngest probably uh, in the entire college and they elected me to be the student spokesman. So I, I, it was just a huge boost to my confidence. Huge. And Andrea, thinking of your own experience when you went to study journalism, um, would you echo Mike's feelings? Absolutely, I... I didn't enjoy school. I didn't enjoy the way it was set up. My two brothers were super academic and I just became the rebel without a clue. I didn't turn up, ran away, smoked behind the bike sheds, got expelled. Uh, so um, going back to college was uh, quite, it was it was frightening because I imagined it would just be like school, uh, but it wasn't. And I, it was a, a really enjoyable experience and I would do it again in a heartbeat. And Claire, turning to yourself, what about your own experience? I mean, would you would you say it was similar to Andrea and Mike? In some ways, yeah. I mean, I went to school, uh, I was doing my own levels in the uh, sort of mid-80s and I was not motivated at all. Uh, there was a teacher's strike on, so often I just basically bunked off for whole days. Um, my parents were completely unaware of this, and uh, and left school with three O-levels. I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that I was, I'm dyslexic, and in the 70s, nobody really identified that. 
And I remember people having conversations with my parents, like, well, Claire doesn't seem to be particularly stupid, yet she can't write, she can't spell. So when I said, I want to be an architect, it was like, well, don't be ridiculous, you can't add up and you can't draw, and there we are. So left, so left school with three O-levels. Um, and But then the, in our family with academic parents, it's like, right, you've done your A-levels, what are you going to do at university? So obviously I picked a, a slightly practical subject into archaeology and geology where I could actually do lots of drawing, as it turns out. But what I really wanted to be was an architect still. And when you uh, embarked upon your adult education, uh, Claire, was self-employment or starting a business a goal that you had in mind at that time? Um, when I... Yeah, I did my first degree, obviously, sort of straight from school when I was uh, sort of 1920. But yeah, when I went back to read architecture when I was 40, uh, yeah, definitely. I think I'd spent enough years in a sort of corporate um, uh, world, some of which was, you know, really enjoyable. Um, I was a brick designer for a few years, which is uh, <laughs> one of my favourite ever jobs. But um, I, I knew that actually the end goal was that I wanted to work for myself. And I was, I think, going to university and reading architecture actually enabled me to explore a lot of other artistic um, sides of my brain. It was like my, my whole side of my brain had been completely unlocked. Um, and I was really lucky. The technicians where I, where I read architecture were excellent. One made Bentwood furniture, one was a photographer, so I used to spend time in the darkroom making photograms and doing photography, um, textiles, all sorts of really creative things. And I think doing those things actually was the beneficial part of my degree. And I think that just drove me further to think, yeah, actually, there's a lot of things I could do. And I began to see the possibilities of, of how I could work for myself and um, I just sort of manoeuvred myself through a few jobs so that I acquired the skills to be able to work for myself. And Andrea, thinking about uh, your experience again, and obviously uh, you went back to adult education, did journalism, which obviously gave you a different skill set. But as a person, um, how would you say that affected you as a person, you know, in, in terms of your soul, your confidence, uh, your degree of happiness? I, I think I absolutely flourished. Um, I, I picked up so many new skills uh, throughout the course. Um, I was a mother to four children. I'd run a successful business, um, but that was hand in glove with my husband at that time. Um, and going back and, and like Mike said earlier, feeling that I wasn't stupid, um, I picked up shorthand and within uh, months I was writing 100 words a minute. And it was just brilliant. Just, I would sit in front of the TV just writing everything that was going on and listen to the radio and just write everything down. And um, I got to 120 words and I, it, just, it, it just felt so empowering. It was great. And Mike, obviously when people, when people do adult, adult education, they do it to uh, develop new skills or improve existing skills. But there is that element of uh, how it can impact well-being. How, you know, how, what's your experience of that? Well, I think... You know, when you see small children and they learn something, there's an excitement about them. There's an energy. They, they want to tell you all about it. And they remember everything uh, because someone has made it interesting for them. And, you know, learning gives, it releases um, something in the body. It, it, it releases chemicals. And it's extraordinary when you master a new skill 
I mean, my learning wasn't just, you know, in in college. I I was a brickies assistant. Um, I was a hod carrier. I worked in wines. So I knew a bit about French wines by the time I was 21, and there weren't many Scots at that time who knew anything about wine. In fact, I remember taking an American cousin to a, a bar in Loch Gelly, and she said to the barman, uh, have you got a selection of wines? And he said, aye, we've got both. So, you know, I was ahead of my time on some of these skills, so every day is a learning opportunity. And I say this to people because... Um, you know, learning is going to change now because what you used to have to do is to go and do a five, four-year degree course, yeah? But that's changing. And in places like Singapore and South Korea, they're doing degree courses in six months because people don't have time to take all these years away from the course of their life. They can't afford it for a start. So I think we're seeing an accelerated learning. We're seeing micro-learning as the biggest growth industry. This is all the futurologists say, you know, micro-learning is the future and that the biggest and most successful site by the year 2030 will be an educational one. It's not yet been invented. So I look at TED Talks. I, I, I read a lot. I read outside my comfort zone. I love reading The Economist. I love reading science magazines. I love reading, um, you know, about uh, technology, because I'm learning, I'm stretching, and the mind is there to be stretched. It's elastic. And the, the trouble with our linear education system is it does not assume elasticity. We know the mind has got the most enormous capability to, to grow and to change shape. Uh, and, you know, we have to keep learning. And if it's going on YouTube, uh, I'm learning from that. I, I was telling the story uh earlier this morning to someone about, you know, a 14-year-old opera singer that I saw performing in St Andrew's Square out in the open air in, in Edinburgh during the festival. And I spoke to her briefly. And she'd learned to sing uh, opera on YouTube. She was singing in Italian. She was in The Voice, I, th I think, last year. And she's got this extraordinary skill. Her parents didn't even know she was doing it in the space of her own bedroom. Uh, so learning now is the opportunities are legion and, you know, the educational establishments have to adapt. We really do have to adapt for this. You know, people wanting to learn something quickly. People want to stretch themselves and we need the population at large, you know, no matter what age, to believe that they've got the capacity to learn and learning actually improves their well-being. It gives them an energy and an enthusiasm for life and this sense that you've learned something new um, is a huge confidence boost. It just does something to us. And too many of us have stopped learning. Indeed, and that's something we'll cover in the second half of today's podcast. Before we do, we'll cut to a short commercial break from you, Mike, and you, Claire. Go for it. Turn you and your business into a magnet. Extraordinary businesses are truly distinctive. They have a unique story, and they tell that story so compellingly, customers are captivated. To turn a great business into an extraordinary one, get in touch with me, Mike Stevenson. www.thinktastic.co.uk or find us on Twitter or Facebook. I'm Claire Dales. I run my own art and design studio in Eastbourne, spanning the skills of printmaking, art and architectural design. 
Please be in touch if you have a project you'd like to discuss, a workshop, a talk or a commission. Take a look at my website, clairedales.com, or via Facebook and Twitter. Coming back to a theme we touched on earlier, and you know if I can put this to you, Claire, it seems that uh, learning and adult education isn't merely about uh, equipping us with skills to do a specific job. It is all about the well-being aspect as well. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think a lot of um, people who set up their own business, it, it, it might st- stem from um, a desire to, to do something, to achieve something, or uh, some sort of creative spark within themselves. So I think the two are, are sort of interlinked in some way. Um, you know, if you're a, a textile designer, you're, you're more likely to think, all oh, right, I'm going to go and learn something else that's creative. But yeah, learning to do something that's that's completely different is, is, is just as important. And, and you never know when you're going to um, you know, strike upon something that really grabs your imagination. And I think for for example, for my industry, you know, the sort of art and architecture side of things, is that people people say, oh, where does your inspiration come from? You know, which which artists, which which architects do you, you know, inspire your your work? And actually, it's not those sorts of things. It's actually going for a walk on the beach or, um, you know, watching a you know a bee build its nest or something completely different that actually feeds into what you do as work. But actually, it sort of frees up your brain to to think about other things. Thanks, Claire. And one of the things that I, I, I guess, and you know, from my own experience, is that considering adult education, uh, it can be quite daunting. Um, when you think of studying, it has quite a heavy price tag on it. You know, people sometimes have to make a compromise between do they continue working full time or do they do they have to give up their job to do that? Uh, and I guess the financial aspect is. Uh, a real burning issue for people who want to to grow and develop in that sense, Mike. If I can ask you, you know, what what do you think about that? Well, um, uh, economies depend on people learning, growing, investing their skills. That's that's how it works. And it always struck me that Scotland had it right, right at the beginning, public education. We had this enormous wealth of learning opportunities and people took to it, you know, with an appetite. Scotland had the highest literacy rate in the world in the mid-1980s, in the mid-18th century. And we were contributing ideas to the world. That's because we had free education and we need to reintroduce this ethos that all around us are learning opportunities. Now, I was in New York... Um, you know, a few years ago, and I walked into a pub, and there was a lecturer from the university speaking in the pub because the university had realised that you know to bring education to people rather than expecting people to walk down hallowed corridors, uh, you know, was a way of bringing it to a wider public. We need more of that. We need education to be in every corner of our communities and to make the kind of learning um, styles you know, match what people want. And, you know, we've got virtual reality now. We've got all these different methodologies. And it's it's exciting. And we need to bring that excitement to people. There are too many people that think education is about classroom. And classroom has got bad memories. For me, classroom has got bad memories. 
but education doesn't because education is about learning. And I think we need, you know, every company, in fact, should have an arm which is providing some learning to the, the wider community. It, you know, that's the best investment in the future. And our economy will suffer um, if too many people stay out of education because the world is moving so fast now that you cannot be equipped. You know, the status quo is, is never going to be uh, static. You know, we have to keep stretching, learning. And until we bring that, you know, into our consciousness as something that is fun, is accessible, um, is enriching, we will have this idea of education being a very formal thing and learning um, being something that you do on your own. Uh, and it is an opportunity. And I think we, I want to see it, you know, um, living, breathing opportunities all around us. And I think free at the point of delivery. It has to be. It has to be. And one of the things that you've all uh, touched on that you all seem to have in common uh, when we talk about education is a bad experience at school uh, and quite a difficult experience at school. Um, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask this anyway. Claire, was, was studying uh, as an adult more of a pleasure than it was at school? Yeah, totally. To sort of go back to question you just asked was um, about finances. In England, obviously, when I started my architecture degree, it was £3,000 a year fees. By the time I left, it was 9000 So now it takes about eighty, at least £80,000 to qualify as an architect, which is why I'm not an architect. I'm an architectural designer because I literally couldn't afford to um, qualify. And I think there's a whole raft of people, certainly the people I was at university with, who uh, haven't qualified as part three, partly because they just can't afford it, but also have realised that actually you can work as an architectural designer, which is what I do, or work in allied um, professions such as you know design, photography, and other other um, sort of creative pursuits. So I think that's the thing. Although there was this huge financial pressure, and getting my last um, sort of paycheck before going back to university was when reality hit and it was just you know this this is it from now on I had to sort of live off my savings and such but I think it made you really appreciate the fact that I had basically given myself three years to um I took my studies really seriously but also sort of experiment and play with other you know other opportunities that came came my way um you know I was really lucky to be given some you know really exciting uh, projects to work on and such so so yeah, it was great. It was really positive. Um, strange going back as a as a mature student though. Completely different pros, uh, experience to the ones that my eighteen year old um, classmates were having. But um, but yeah, great. And I'd I'd say I'd do it again, but I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Claire. Um, I think for me that the, there's two clear themes that have emerged uh, and this is part of uh, my adult education as well because uh, I think it's evident speaking to the three of you today that, uh, you know, conventionally we think of adult education as, you know, you, you give up your job, you go to university for three years, but actually a common theme is it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can you can do it in bite-sized chunks and, and you know, even picking up a magazine is part of our development and education. Uh, and I think the other the other thing that's uh, 
really coming across for me is is the importance not only in developing knowledge but developing uh, well being and and you know spiritual goodness if you like from the process. Um, if I could come back to yourself, Mike, and uh, if there's anyone out there who is listening who is uh, has a burning yearn or desire to do some form of adult education but feels there's maybe barriers in their way, what kind of tips would you give them? Well, the, the first thing I, w- I would say is go online because there are lots of learning opportunities online. Uh, buy books, um, you know, meet someone who has those skills, phone up a company that, you know, specialises in those skills. So find different routes Um you know, I had, I think I had ADHD when I was at school, but I wasn't allowed to have it then because it didn't exist. Um, so I'm actually a very good teacher because I speak to myself, you know, because things have to keep moving. You have to present information in more imaginative ways and you have to involve people. Um, so I think there are more opportunities than people realise. And I think going online and putting in your desired subject and just put learning at the end of it, and you'll find somehow things magically appear. And there's all kinds of short courses as well. I mean, I was looking for someone the other day on creative writing, and I found, you know, there were there were something like 25 courses in Edinburgh, short courses, community-based courses, the galleries do courses. I mean, there is a richness of opportunities around. And Claire, any tips from yourself? I think that's the thing, yeah, search online. And also, if you're thinking of uh, going, if, if you're not quite sure what you want to, how you want to use your skills, perhaps, um, yeah, just go and find some people that do similar sorts of things and work it out from there, I think. <laughs> people love being asked for their guidance and their advice. People love being asked, and not enough people ask. You know, if I get a phone call and someone says, I want to be a motivational speaker. By the way, I get about five phone calls a month from people who want to be motivational speakers. So they have made that big step. And sometimes you hear a wee bit of nervousness and they, they're surprised that I actually answer the phone. This is what we've created. We've created a perception that things are out of reach and they're not. Yeah, I agree with that. Basically, just if, if you've got an idea, ring somebody and don't be un- under-ambitious either. Yeah. Thank you to Claire. Andrea and Mike for sharing their stories with us today. Search Acts a Business Guardian Angel for more real-life stories, business advice and practical guides. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.